Hello, this is Adrienne Hendricks. And Jerry Hendricks of Say One More Now Incorporated, where our focus is to lovingly confront all activities dishonoring human life created in the image of God. There is no greater dishonor to God and to human life than to reject His eternal salvation only available through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us. The title of today's message is Not Condemned, Go and Sin No More. It is taken from the account found in John chapter 8. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. With this encounter, Jesus demonstrated his words at John 8, verse 36, to everyone there, and to us today, that if the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. His proclamation to the woman that since he did not condemn her, she was not condemned and was free from the sin which put her in the situation which brought her before Jesus. The Apostle Paul explains this in the book of Romans 8 at verses 1 and 31 through 34. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Some of you listening may be struggling with your past and asking, How can the Lord ever forgive me for all the wrongs I have done? Day after day, the enemy constantly plants seeds of doubt and condemnation in your minds. You may have even considered ending it all because you just can't believe that Jesus Christ is the answer to all the issues you face and the message you have made. Jesus is speaking to you today from John chapter 14, verses 1, 6, and 19. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. He wants you to know that you can trust him and you can take him at his word. The Apostle John reminds us at 1 John 1 verses 9 and 10, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. If you have confessed your sins to the Lord Jesus, having a repentant heart, he has forgiven you and the Lord is saying, Now go and sin no more. 
The enemy constantly wages war against every human being, using every opportunity and even creating some to trick us into falling away from our beloved Jesus. The condemnation could come through family, friends, co-workers, or even specific experiences. The enemy wants us to abandon our dependence on God and our praise of Him. The enemy constantly tries to manipulate our thoughts and emotions so we will question who we belong to. He is asking us, are you really a child of God? And do you really believe that God can do what you have been asking Him to do? Let me share one such incident. I was out running, having a good time with the Lord. I was praising and thanking Him for all He had done and asking Him for some things in my life and in the lives of others as well. As I ran, I noticed a playing card face down on the curb. I passed a card but felt impressed to go back and pick it up. Keep in mind, I'm feeling quite good because I've been praising and thanking the Lord and just having a great time. I turned the card over and saw that it was the Joker. My countenance fell. I thought, what is this? Is the Lord telling me something? This really bothered me, and all sorts of things ran through my mind. Immediately, I threw the card away. Do you see how in just a small window of time, the enemy can tempt us into unbelief regarding our relationship with God? Questions like, are you really where you thought you were with God? Are you really hearing from Him? When I arrived at home, I shared the incident with Adrian and asked her to guess which card it was. Without hesitation, she answered, the Joker. I asked her, how did you know? And she said, that's what I heard. The Lord had told her that. For those who do not know, the Joker is a prankster, one given to sarcasm, a planner of mischievous acts, one who plays tricks and takes what belongs to others. The Joker is not your friend, but he is your enemy. Jesus tells us at John chapter 10, verse 10, that the thief comes for no reason but to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But Jesus came to give us life and life in abundance. This life offered by Jesus is real and eternal, and his offer is motivated by his love for us, not ridicule, deceit, or cruelty. One way we can tell that the enemy is speaking to us is that he condemns us and Jesus with accusing and disparaging questions. The enemy would have you not believe all that God has said or is doing in your life. He may even ask, do you really believe in God? Let's settle this issue right now. If you are a child of God, you hear his voice. Jesus says at John chapter 10, starting at verse 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. I must tell you, when I looked at that card, I was bothered, but I quickly knew that this was a lesson the Lord wanted me to learn and to share. This is the lesson. If the Lord has done something in your life, given you victory over a confessed sin or sins in your life, fully receive and accept his forgiveness and refuse to doubt him. He does not joke, pull pranks, or play tricks on those he loves. His forgiveness is real and is available to you right now. 
There will be, and usually are, any number of people ready to condemn you, gossip about you, and carelessly plant seeds of doubt in your minds and hearts. But assuredly, this is not the case with Jesus, our Savior. His forgiveness is real, and there is no condemnation from Him. All condemnation is from the enemy. Remember, as we read just a bit ago, those of us in Christ are not condemned. We must recognize our enemy and know how to defeat him. For example, those trained to detect counterfeit money focus on studying real money. When they see the fake, it sticks out like a red flag with neon lights. We too must study what is real. That is, we must become so well acquainted with our Good Shepherd Jesus, our Lord, that the enemy cannot approach us unawares. That requires an investment of time with the Lord. Jesus says at John 10, verses 14 through 16, I am the Good Shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. To say it another way, to best know the deceiver, the liar, we must first become one with the truth. Jesus, our good shepherd, is the truth. He told you when you confessed to him that you were forgiven. Now, go and sin no more. Earlier, we read from John chapter 8, verse 8, that says, But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground. Some think he wrote the sins of those accusing the woman. It is believed by others that Jesus deliberately put himself into this posture as if he was busy about something else and ignored what those who accused and condemned the woman were saying. Jesus acted as if they and their questions were unworthy of his notice and as if he didn't hear them. Could it be that Christ was writing their names in the earth, thus fulfilling the prophecy from Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 13, which says, O Lord, the hope of Israel, all who forsake you shall be put to shame. Those who turn away from you shall be written in the earth, for they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living water. The Pharisees knew this Old Testament passage, so could it be that they were convicted in their hearts? To have their names written in the earth was to be named among earthly and carnal men, those focused only on earthly things. As a result, their names shall not be written among the eternally living, that is, spiritual men. It is like having your name written in the dust and destroyed by a puff of wind or destroyed by someone walking on it. This is to say that they would die and perish with their names not written in the Lamb's book of life, so they would spend eternity in hell, away from God. Jesus has something to say to all who would condemn others in John chapter 8, verses 15 and 16. You set yourself up to judge according to the flesh by what you see. You condemn by external human standards. I, Jesus said, do not set myself up to judge or condemn or sentence anyone. Yet, even if I do judge, my judgment is true and my decision is right. For I am not alone in making the decision, but there are two of us, I and the Father who sent me. At Luke 9, verse 56, Jesus says, For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them from the penalty of eternal death. Jesus repeats this thought at John 3:17 and 18, but also delineates the true condition for condemnation. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, 
But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Unlike the Pharisees he confronted, or even people today, Jesus does not condemn us, which would place us back under the bondage of sin. Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 is clear about what his desire is for all of those who are trusting him for freedom from sin now and for eternal life. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Here is a consideration for those of us who insist that we cannot ever be forgiven. It is that perhaps we have allowed pride to interfere with our receiving and accepting forgiveness from the Lord and from ourselves. Some people want to bathe themselves in self-pity because they enjoy the attention they get from others. These folks need to confess the sin of pride and receive the forgiveness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 1 John chapter 3, verses 19 and 20 say, By this shall we know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before Him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and He knows everything. To refuse forgiveness is to say that God lied to us, Jesus lied to us, and that the blood of Jesus Christ is not adequate to pay for the collective sin of all mankind. Proverbs chapter 28 verse 13 tells us, He that covers his sins shall not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them shall have mercy. In a reminder of how God deals with sin, Hebrews 9, through 15, and 27 and 28 say this, But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Therefore he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. And just as it is appointed for men to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. We must know the truth, the Good Shepherd, and not allow the enemy to gain ground over us by receiving his lies and condemnations. The truth is that you are loved. Let me tell you just how much Jesus loves you. We would say he is head over heels in love with you. At Luke chapter 15, verses 4 through 7, he tells you how he feels about you. If any of you has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will you do? Won't you leave the ninety-nine in the field and go look for the lost sheep until you find it? And when you find it, you will be so glad that you will put it on your shoulders and carry it home. Then you will call in your friends and neighbors and say, Let's celebrate. I found my lost sheep. Jesus said, In the same way, there is more happiness in heaven because of one sinner who turns to God than over ninety-nine good people who don't need to. To be clear, he loves the 99 that were not lost just as much. Sin separates us from God. Jesus lived and died so that we would not be separated from God. 
If you have accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, you are not your own, and sin should be far from you. As we live with Him and become closer to Him, we will become like Him, as 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Then, God's agenda will become more important to us than what we want and what we want to do. He died not for us to have our own way, but to qualify, to ratify, to sanction, to approve, and to confirm us to do what He wants us to do. As we grow deeper in Him, our desires and His desires become the same. Our desires will bring honor and glory to Him instead of shame and reproach. God has a special purpose for each of us, as Paul revealed at 2 Timothy 2, verses 19 through 22. But God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are His, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. The Lord calls us to turn from our sins and not harden our hearts against the freedom He offers. We must stop sinning. We can stop sinning. We can walk away from the sin that entangles us. This is a choice each of us must make, and He has given us help. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16 remind us that we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. How do we know there is chronic, unrepentant sin? The Apostle Paul explained at Romans chapter 2, verses 13 through 16, that we know already. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on that day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. You see, Paul tells us at Romans chapter 6, verse 23, The wages which sin pays is death, but the bountiful free gift of God is eternal life through and in union with Jesus Christ our Lord. Those who belong to the Lord Jesus have the Holy Spirit who He gives us to inform us that something is amiss. But we would like to suggest that all listeners make this assessment now to determine your status in Jesus the Messiah. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves, or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test? At Galatians 5, 19-26, Paul tells us, 
people's desires make them give in to immoral ways, filthy thoughts, and shameful deeds. They worship idols, practice witchcraft, hate others, and are hard to get along with. People become jealous, angry, and selfish. They not only argue and cause trouble, but they are envious. They get drunk, carry on at wild parties, and do other evil things as well. I told you before, and I'm telling you again, no one who does these things will share in the blessings of God's kingdom. These things are sinful and not from God. These acts reveal the sin in our lives, that we are not walking in the light of Jesus. In contrast, verses 22 through 26 say, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. The opportunity to repent will not always be available. At Revelation 2, Jesus gave Jezebel, yes, even Jezebel, an opportunity to repent. He desires that none be lost. But I have this against you. The church of Thyatira is allowing Jezebel to do as she pleases, and she calls herself a prophetess, claiming to be inspired, and who is teaching and leading astray my servants, and beguiling them into practicing sexual vice and eating food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she has no desire to repent of her immorality. She refuses to do so. I will throw her on a bed of anguish, and those who commit adultery with her. I will bring down to pressing distress and severe affliction unless they turn away their minds from conduct such as hers and repent of their doings. And I will strike her children dead. I will wipe them out and all the churches shall recognize and understand that I am he who searches minds, the thoughts, feelings, and purposes of the inmost hearts, and I will give to each of you the reward for what you have done as your work deserves. This isn't just for the church of Thyatira, but also for us today. The time of Christ's return is near. Revelation chapter 22, verses 10 through 12 issues the warning. The time is at hand. He who is unrighteous will be unrighteous still, and he who is filthy will be filthy still, and he who is righteous will do right still, and he who is holy will be holy still. Behold, I am coming soon, and I shall bring my wages and rewards with me to repay and render to each one just what his own actions and his own work merit. Time is running out, and so are the opportunities to accept his salvation. Those of us who are saved must examine our lives and ensure that we are living holy lives so we have the power to tell others about the route also open to them to escape condemnation. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 16 tells us to be holy, for He is holy. He expects us to receive freedom and victory by repenting for every sin and following Him every step of the way. Romans chapter 13, verses 11 through 14 say, you know what sort of times we live in, and so you should live properly. It is time to wake up. You know that the day when we will be saved is nearer now than when we first put our faith in the Lord. Night is almost over, and day will soon appear. 
We must stop behaving as people do in the dark and be ready to live in the light. So behave properly as people do in the day. Don't go to wild parties or get drunk or be vulgar or indecent. Don't quarrel or be jealous. Let the Lord Jesus Christ be as near to you as the clothes you wear. Then you won't try to satisfy your selfish desires. This message today is about confessing sin in our lives, turning away from them now, and accepting forgiveness for sins of the past. Ephesians 4 tells us how to live. You were told that your foolish desires will destroy you and that you must give up your old way of life with all its bad habits. Let the Holy Spirit change your way of thinking and make you into a new person. You were created to be like God, and so you must please Him and be truly holy. We are all part of the same body. Stop lying and start telling each other the truth. Don't get so angry that you sin. Don't go to bed angry and don't give the devil a chance. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Be honest and work hard so you will have something to give to people in need. Stop all your dirty talk. Say the right thing at the right time and help others by what you say. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit makes you sure that someday you will be free from your sins. Stop being bitter and angry and mad at others. Don't yell at one another or curse each other or ever be rude. Instead, be kind and merciful and forgive others just as God forgave you because of Christ. If we live according to these words, we will be free from every possible condemnation. We at Save One More Now Incorporated encourage all listeners to seek the Lord for His calling on your life. If you faithfully spend time with Him throughout the day, you will come to know without a doubt that He really loves you and He has a divine purpose for your being here. We can be reached by email at truelife at saveonemorenow.org or our telephone number in the United States, 850-727-0493. We look forward to joining you next week and ask you to remember, Life is good. God gives life. God is good.